So this morning, we're going to take a look at chapter two. I called this, I wasn't going to be on a blueprint theme through the entire book. I don't know if we'll be able to pull it off, but chapter one, we looked at victorious living, okay, blueprint for the Christian life. This morning, we're going to be looking at specifically a blueprint given to us in chapter two of 1 Thessalonians on how to live out the gospel, so gospel living. So I want to share with you guys first before we jump into the scriptures. Um, this is a man by the name of uh, Fritz Chrysler. Now, Fritz, uh, he was a world-famous violinist back in 1875 to 1962. And he earned a fortune with his concerts and his compositions, but he generously gave most of it away. So when he discovered an exquisite violin on one of his trips, he wasn't able to buy it. Later, having raised enough money to meet the asking price, he returned to the seller, hoping to purchase it, but it had been sold to a collector. Now, Chrysler made his way to the new owner's home, and he offered to buy that violin. The collector said it had become his prized possession, and he would not sell it. Keenly disappointed, Chrysler was about to leave when he had an idea. Could I play the instrument once more before it is consigned to silence? Permission was granted, and the great virtuoso filled the room with such heart-moving music that the collector's emotions were deeply stirred. I have no right to keep that to myself. He exclaimed, it is yours, Mr. Chrysler. Take it into the world and let people hear it. When it comes to the gospel, we're going to look at the first 12 verses here in 1 Thessalonians. And the gospel, guys, is the theme. It is the point of this passage of scripture. And it's a glad announcement. Okay? Um, gospel. You guys ever hear the play Godspell? The old English, Germanic. Um, originally, it's a narration. It's a story. Guys, and we have a story that this world needs to hear. And it is good news. And we have the privilege of sharing God's story. And why are we privileged to share that story? Because he's brought us into that story. We know this story. There is a world that hasn't heard about this story. The greatest story of all time. We get to share of God's character. We get to share of his love. We get to share his grace, and it's all wrapped up in the story of Jesus in his death, his resurrection from the death, okay? We have hope, hope the world's looking for, and we're the only ones that have the story to share. So I don't know if you're like me, but as I watch the news, they don't share the good news. <laughs> They're talking about a lot of bad news. The world needs the good news, and we're not going to find it on the media, guys. So what I'd like to look at with you guys is the 12-step model here, scripturally speaking, 
to gospel living. So let's take a read together here. Uh, We'll read the first 12 verses and then we'll come back. Verse 1, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spiritually or spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For exhortation did not come from error of uncleanness, nor was it in deceit, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests the hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring day and night, or night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preached to you the gospel of God. And you are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly, justly and blamelessly and behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, how we exhorted and we comforted and charged every one of you as Father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom of glory. So here, guys, Paul gives this church in Thessalonica after a second time through now. You guys know Paul, the apostle, was a missionary. This is his second time through a model on ministry. Okay? And a lot of people have a lot of ideas on how to do ministry. A lot of conferences are given. As a pastor, I get stuff sent to me all the time on how to do ministry. Well, I love the scriptures, guys, <laughs> because it spells out clearly for you and I how ministry should look. Well, who, who's in ministry? How many of you guys have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Raise your hand. All right, you're in ministry. That... <laughs> That's biblical truth, whether you like it or not, okay? Um, So you might have, you know, you might say, well, I'm not in ministry. Well, we're supposed to be. That's the point. That's why studying the scriptures and reading the word of God is so good. Why don't we see more ministry happening? Well, I think it's because we have a lot of Christians that are either in a church that doesn't teach the Bible or they're not reading the Bible on their own. Because if we take the word of God seriously and obey the Lord well, ministry is going to happen. Well, what does that look like? I'm glad you asked, because if you're simply loving God and loving others and filling the Great Commission, it just kind of happens. Does it really? Yeah, just do those two things. It'll just happen, okay? Um, So as soon as you are a member of the body of Christ, he calls you to ministry. The moment you're saved. 
I got to stand up in a wedding of a friend many years ago by the name of Josh, but I remember meeting Josh for the first time. He was a young high school student um, at uh, Little Shoot High School. Um, I won't get into the details of what he was up to <laughs> there in the frenzy hung with, um, but there was a radical change that took place in his life because as a high school student, he came to a youth group that I was a part of and he heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the one thing that I really appreciate about Josh was his heart to want to share what God had done in his life. And he shared and many, many of his friends came to know Jesus also. He's just bringing someone new every single week to youth group. Why? Because he had a story to share. And let me tell you what, guys, no one told him he was supposed to do that. That's the cool part. Ministry just happens when you get saved. Mom, Dad, you'll never guess what happened to me today. (laughs) Jesus crashed into my life. He saved me from my sins. I'm going to heaven and you're going to hell. Do you want to go to heaven with me? (laughs) That's what happens, guys. It's really that simple. So let's jump into verse 1 here. We're going to look at gospel motives together. So... We're to be purposeful. In verse 1 it says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. Not in vain literally means not hollow or without content. So there was a purpose in going. They were preaching the immediate and impressive consequences and permanent change that took place in the lives of of believers so paul came with a definite aim we are coming with the good news there's a purpose this isn't in vain and he hit what he aimed for and do you guys when you minister do you have an aim is there a purpose are you praying for that person or those people specifically in that so he comes the second thing i'd like to point out Oh, we're already there. Be bold. Okay, look at verse 2 with me, guys. It says, But even after we had suffered before, and we were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you, the gospel of God in much conflict. So suffering and spitefully treated in Philippi. Guys, that's in Acts chapter 16, verses 22 to 24. You guys can go back and read that on your own. But right before chapter 17 of the story of the Thessalonican church. So I think it's so cool. Some people, well, I don't want persecution. I love seeing brothers and sisters who were persecuted in the Bible. What did they do? It just kept them going. Well, I'm just going to move on. I'm going to keep sharing. Please pray for us to be bold. That was their hearts. And we look today at the persecuted church. Why is revival breaking out? Why are imams coming to faith Faith in these mosques are being turned into Christian churches in the Middle East? They're persecuted like crazy. It's because of the persecution. This is very real. Okay, it's one thing for us here in the West. Well, I came to faith in Christ. I'm a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian. Well, me too. You can ask anybody. 80% of us profess to be Christian here in America. I don't know that many people are actually born again and going to heaven. 
I would guess that's maybe closer to 5 to 10%. But we give lip service. It's just nothing. Life can go on. I can be a Christian and live like I always have. I just added Jesus to the mix. And because of it, I'm a better person now. Oh, David wants me to preach it. So, I think it's cool if you look at uh, the, what happened in Philippi. Okay, This is the cool part. What happened is they were stripped naked, beaten with rods, whipped, thrown in jail, fastened their feet in stocks. You guys know that a Roman instrument of torture with more than two holes for the legs so they could be forced widely apart uh, in their position that was intolerably you know, painful. This is what they would do to them. Okay? Got to spend a long weekend with my family. We went through Corey Tenboom's book, The Hiding Place. How many of you guys have read that? Okay? She lived in consecration camps. She was arrested and thrown uh, into jail and ended up in these camps because she was hiding Jews during Hitler's invasion of Europe. And the things that they went through and they faced. Man, they used it. No matter how bad the torture and the circumstances were, they were all about sharing Jesus. You know, going in and just trying to hide a Bible to be able to bring a Bible in to be able to minister to the people there who were dying, literally dying soon to see their maker had that burden to share the gospel. And nothing's different for you and I. People are dying, and they're going to see their maker soon. And that's why the gospel, brother and sister, is so important. That is what our life is going or needs to be given to. So we read here, guys, that Paul, he was a man of tremendous courage. We see that through his writings. We read of his missionary work in the book of Acts. So I want to ask you guys, do you need courage? Do you need courage? You see, courage is fear that has said its prayers. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. So don't try to drum it up within you. I just am bold enough. I just go for it. I have enough courage, okay? Where does that courage need to come from? Well, it's when you think about God's love for you, what he has done for you. How can you not want to share that with somebody else? He is so good. It's the love of Christ that compels us. Think of your love towards him. Meditate on the honor of walking with him, speaking of him to others. Think of being entrusted with the precious, life-saving news. And soon you'll find yourself driven, compelled with courage. But I don't think about those things a whole lot. Don't you know that elections are up this week? That's all I'm thinking about right now. That's what's important right now. No. Presences will come and go. Elections will continue to happen. People are still dying and going to hell, guys. That's the reality. We have enough people to play that game. There's only a few of us that have this story to share. And that's what God has called us to. So, I love what Martin Luther... You guys remember Halloween was yesterday? We refer to it as Reformation Day. 
but anyways, you guys remember when Martin Luther stood frightened before the adversaries there of Rome, but he courageously said, here now I stand against the Pope. He's lying. I'm standing upon the word of God. That's where we stand, guys. Don't be moved over here. And don't be moved over here. This is where I stand. Jesus Christ, my solid rock. Man, I am about him. I'm about sharing him. Because he alone is good. He alone is right. He alone is Savior. And the world needs to know. Abraham Lincoln and having thus chosen our course, let us renew our trust in God and go forward without fear and with manly hearts. Man, that is courage, guys. Let us go forth. So we need to also be honest. Look at verse 3 with me here, guys. For our exhortation did not come from error on cleanness, nor was it in deceit. So the gospel didn't have its source in error. That's one thing I love about the word of God, that it is truth. Okay, You can bank on that. My word is truth, Jesus said. So the facts are true. The gospel, it's not unclean. You see, Christianity didn't require some immoral rights to promote it, okay, as often cults do. And then the gospel, we're told here, is not deceitful. So deceit, literally deceit in the original Greek means to bait or craftily design for catching. We don't have to do that. There doesn't have to be deceit, okay? That's one thing I hope that you guys find when you come to Freedom Fellowship. We're not trying to play church, okay? We're not doing this program or that program to try to get people to come here. We're just going to stand upon the word of God. This is what God has said. This is his word, period. So, let's look at the next verse, verse 4. Be pleasing to God. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. So, don't you like hearing you've been approved? You're all good, you're set, ready to go, right? Maybe it's for a home loan. We want to buy that house. Yeah, you've been approved, okay? Maybe it's an auto loan. Maybe you're in the process of getting hired somewhere. And you hear, I, I've been approved. Who cares what man thinks? Honestly. We all have opinions. And most of our opinions are wrong. But to say that God is approved of us, that he's approved what we do, that's huge. Because he's the only one that really matters when it's all said and done. Because we can be man-pleasers all day. Right? But we're called to please God. That's what we're called to. What has he asked? And that's where you guys really need to go before God. Search out the scriptures. Am I doing what you've asked me to do, Father? Am I approved by you? Because people aren't going to like the things that 
are approved by God sometimes. Why you? You should be hating that person. You shouldn't be loving them. God's asked me to love my enemy. That's just what I do. Okay? Um, doesn't matter what you think. I, I care about what my Heavenly Father thinks. So you and I have been improved or entrusted with the best news for others. You've been given the gospel. You understand what Paul is saying here. Christian, you have been given this. So every member of God's family has the right and the obligation to make known this great salvation to his or her fellow human beings. That's why we're here. Who have you shared the gospel with? I've heard 80 plus percent of Christians never share their faith with anybody. That's why I've gone bald, because it doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> but I've talked to enough brothers and sisters in Christ to know that they haven't shared their faith. It is a scary thing, but it's what we're called to do. It might be hard to tell somebody they're wrong and that God is right. But at the end of the day, God is right and they are wrong. And do you love them enough to tell them the truth? I hope so. Hope so. I've built a relationship with a gal who's a barista. Her and her partner run a coffee shop. We have very differing views, but we genuinely like each other and love each other. And there is gospel conversation that is had that is not otherwise had with other Christians because I'm bold enough just to speak up. And you know what, guys? There's a lot that we have in common. Do you understand that? As human beings, it doesn't matter what a person thinks, what their opinions might be, how they choose to live. Overall, we have a lot more in common than we have not. But for us as Christians, we have the one thing that everybody needs, and that's Jesus Christ. Okay, Eternal life is through him and him alone. And there is no opinion about that. It's either you're a believer or you're not. You've rejected him or you've received him. That's just a black and white issue. So we can talk and have conversations about whatever in this life, you know, but unless we actually get to the point of speaking gospel truth, okay? Because we can love people very well, brother and sister, right into hell. And I want you to think right now, who is the unbeliever you've been loving and serving, but you still haven't spoken up and shared the gospel with. So, man, this is a good chapter. <laughs> so we do this to please God and not our fellow man. All right, let's look at being sincere in verse 5 together here. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness, but God is witness. So flattering words. So the idea of deception for selfish ends. Um, I think this is cool. Have you ever witnessed to someone for the sake of getting to tell others your glory story? Man, I went on that missions trip. And I shared with all these people, and all these people got saved. Look at me and how great of an evangelist I am. That's not what it's about at all. It's about Jesus, isn't it? 
and people see, see that sincerity. You know, are you just speaking to me to get another feather in your cap, Mr. Christian? Or do you actually care about me and where I am going to end up? And that's why how we walk out and live out the gospel is so important. Because as we're going to see in a moment, just going through these 12 verses, it's very clear how God wants us to live as Christians and how we live out the gospel. And the gospel should encompass everything. Do you guys understand that? It's very easy for us in this life to allow other things to encompass everything we do, think, and say. But it should be the gospel for us as a Christian. So we see here they didn't use flattering words. So that phrase here, cloak of covetousness, it's a pretext for greed. Okay, Purpose in that. Um, we don't watch a whole lot of television, but traveling down to Kentucky, we stayed at a hotel and you know how you go through the channels and you come to the, uh, what is it, TBN, the Christian Network TV show? Saw the preacher up there, and the first thought through my head is, I'm like, I wonder how long it's going to take until he talks about money. <laughs> Six seconds. I'm just like, oh boy. <laughs> On to the next thing. Let's watch some Nick at Night. My kids love that. They never get to see that. Um, so we need to be humble. I want us to look moving on to verse six. Then, um, it tells us did or nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. So there's a humility in this that is found guys. Okay. No demands. So, Hey, you know, we're the a apostles. Okay, we're not the disciples anymore. We're the a apostles, and what we go, go or what we say goes. No, the reality is, you study the life of these men who followed Jesus. These apostles weren't they pretty humble dudes? Yeah, they were sincere and they were humble. Okay, and we see this humility pour out of them. So it's better to be approved by God and suffer than be applauded by men and prosper. So here we have these truths laid out. Now there's a couple things as we go through the next few verses, we're going to see the gospel methods presented to us. Uh, let's take a look here at verse 7 about being gentle. It says, We were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So Paul had the same love for these Thessalonians as a new mom has for her nursing child. She delights in her newborn. And that's the type of heart that the Apostle Paul had for this church in Thessalonica. Um, so young believers, they need spiritual parents to love them, to nurture them. That's so important. Okay, something we as a fellowship, when we got started, we had a lot of young families and we were praying for older saints to come in. We need some older brothers and sisters to come in that have walked with the Lord, that will be able to pray and nurture and disciple and pass on life experience and wisdom. We need that in our lives, guys. And we need to be doing that as a church family, especially with new believers. So Paul's ministry was really a ministry here of courage but also a ministry that was motivated by love are you guys seeing this i'm not making it up 
But this is what I'm seeing as a biblical mandate in how to do ministry. We're, we're going to have to be courageous. Okay? We don't want to peddle the word of God. We don't want to wash it down. We want to proclaim the whole counsel of God. Yes, the hard things too. <laughs> but we want to do it in love. Okay? That's how we do ministry. And we should have that heart, especially uh, with one another. Okay? In part, you know, God has placed things in my heart as a shepherd. I'm an under-shepherd to him, but I carry a burden of responsibility for you, my church family. Okay? And I know that it's not a burden that uh, I can't give to Christ and share that burden with him. I just think it's something that he does for us. For you guys who are mom and dads, you know what that's like. You just have a love for your kids. You can't explain. You want to do anything for them. It's not about you and your rights and what you want, what's best for them. And that's the same kind of burden that I carry for you guys. It's not about me. It's about us, our church family here. Okay, And that's really, I think, where we get the biblical mandate from the scriptures and how we should go about ministering. It's something we should all share. And I just want to ask this morning, when you came to church, were you praying on the way here? Had God put someone on your heart? Who can I encourage today in the Lord? What brother or sister might need a word? Maybe needs practical service and love? Do you have a heart? When new people walk through the door, are you going to greet them? Are you going to say hello? Are you going to share life with one another? I mean, it's just something that God's called us to do as the body of Christ. So, um, there are people who said Paul was stern and cold, <laughs> but I read his letters. Y'all, how do you guys know that the Apostle Paul is my hero? I love the example that he was uh, for us as believers. Here he has such a deep, gentle, tender love. I love that he shared his heart with us through this letter. So, yes, love has to be tough sometimes, but it must be taught to be tender so which part of love are you best at tough love or tender love i would encourage us to strike a good balance led by the holy spirit because some of you guys have received some tough love from me but you've also received the tender love that when the tough love came you know what place it was coming from and I think that's good. And there are some of you that I've entrusted my heart to that when you speak into my life, I'm able to receive that truth because I know where it's coming from. I've seen a tender heart towards me and my family and towards what I'm called to, and I'm able to receive that. So God cares about relationships, okay? And then this word cherish here, okay? There's the same word that's used Back in Deuteronomy 22, it's used for a bird warming her eggs. Think about that for a second. That's how we're to cherish one another, to care in such a way. Do we care in such a way? Because we're told the world will see, you my disciples, that I'm alive by the love that you have for one another. And today, guys, there's so much infighting among brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, I'm this denomination. Well, I'm this denomination. Well, politically, I think this way. Well, politically, I think that way. Well, you can't think that way as a Christian. I've actually heard people say, if you're a Democrat and a Christian, you're not really saved. 
If any of you in here actually believe that, you have some really bad theology and you need to find a Bible teaching church. Our salvation is not dependent upon what party we vote, okay? Our salvation is based upon Jesus Christ. Amen? So, that was tough love. But hopefully I've been tender enough that you've been able to receive that. Let's look at verse 8, because we're called to be affectionate too. So, it tells us in verse 8, So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. So, we have to be affectionate. Um, Paul here, it was very important that the gospel wasn't only the right words being spoken, but it was also the right life being lived. Can I get an amen for that one? Okay, because who cares what you say? (laughs) How do you live? And Christian, people are watching. If you're flying your Jesus flag, they're watching. If you told your family that you've come to know Jesus, that you're walking away from what you were taught and raised because you are now about the gospel and you care about what God says in his word. Are they able to see that you have a warm affection uh, towards them in how we live? And I would really encourage us all that our walks match our talks. Amen? Okay. Um, So, next one. Look at Verse 9, we also need to be laboring, okay? For you remember, brethren, our labor and our toil, for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of Christ. So exhausting labor and toil is what the Greek's actually saying. So every Jewish boy, they were taught a trade, okay? You were to learn some trade that you'll be able to live by for the rest of your lives, to make a living to provide for you and your family. Paul was a what? A tent maker, right? He was a tent maker. So Paul was careful not to take funds from new converts. Okay, Paul always was very careful with the money thing. It's for believers that understand, not for unbelievers you're trying to win. Okay. Some of you guys have visited the last few weeks. Okay, why aren't they passing, you know, passing a basket here at church? Okay, where do I tithe? Well, again, guys, we don't want to be burdensome to people. We don't want anybody coming, seeking the Lord. Oh, you guys are all about money. So I don't know about you guys. I've been in enough of those churches. Okay, not just one time we're going to pass the plate, but we're going to pass the plate three times in one service. Okay, if you've been to churches like that, or we're going to check up on how much you actually tithe. I love how we do things here at church. God provides, okay? And we trust him in that, okay? There's times where we wish he had more money to do more ministry stuff, but we're entrusting those things to God. And I would encourage you, if you are uh, mature in the Lord, okay? It is good to give. Do you guys know that? It is a healthy thing for you and I as believers. Why? Because our Heavenly Father is generous, Right? For God so loved the world that he gave. That's just the way he is. And money is something, guys, that we seem to want to hold on to so tightly in this life that we end up living our lives around money and how we can keep it and make more of it. 
And that's really a stumbling block to us as believers. We're called to be generous. That's how we grow. And for you guys who are newer in Christ, the more you get to know Jesus and walk with him closely, you're going to learn his heart and his desire. And there's need all around us, guys. So if you are a member of the church, we encourage you, give. We got a box by the door here and out front. Okay, Or go online, easy ways to give. But I love the heart that Paul has here. Hey, we don't want to be burdensome to you guys in this way. Okay, We're willing to work. Okay, I'm blessed to be able to be your full-time pastor here. That's a blessing. For a lot of years, I was tent-making on the side to be able to minister the Word of God. And you know what? Totally okay with that too. Okay, Why? Because I know what I'm called to. It's not dependent upon whether or not people are supporting my ministry or not. And let me encourage you guys. What is God calling you to do? Some of you might be waiting. Well, I'm just waiting to be able to be on staff at church or be able to be on that missionary whatever, you know, and people support me. No, you serve. If God's called you to do it, you just serve. Whether or not you're funded to do it. Because if God's calling you, he's going to make you happy or make it happen and give you all that you need to do so. So I encourage you guys, I think Paul in this passage is laying out some very practical methods for you and I and how to live out the gospel in that way. So I love that they exhausted labor. And I will say, again, a little tough love right now, some of you Christians are just lazy. And that's between you and the Lord. Just be very real. You're just lazy. You're giving yourself to a lot of other things when you know God is asking you to do something else. I don't know if I have time for that because I'm giving my time to, and you know what's going on. Okay, That's where you need to get with the Lord. Lord, what are you asking me to do? And it's okay to be exhausted. How many of you guys have been exhausted in serving the Lord before? Okay, Isn't it sweet? Because, man, when we're weak, I can't do this. How is it going to happen? you see God show up in a very cool way, okay? He gives the grace to suffice. That's our God. So let's move on now to some gospel manners as we look at the last three verses here together. One is we need to be pure. Look at verse 10. You are my witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. So devout, just, and blameless. You guys can underline those if you want. You see, in one word, guys, I would say integrity. Would you guys agree with me? That's what God wants from us. Integrity. Be real. This kind of sums up what Paul has walked them, uh, how he walked among them. So really, integrity encompasses all of our Christian life. Every aspect of it, guys. How you live, how you work, how are you treating your spouse, how are you raising your kids, how are you as a neighbor, okay, encompasses all of it. What do you do with your money? How do you give? Every part of it. So devoutly describes duty towards God. Just would describe duty towards man, right? So our right behavior in public. Some of you guys just need to get off Facebook. I'll be honest. Okay? Profanity should never come out of a Christian's mouth. Slandering others, that's not what we do as Christians. 
And let me tell you what, I see a lot right now. There's a whole lot of fruit of the flesh coming from brothers and sisters. God wants to see that we bear much fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. Okay? Well, that's kind of tough love, Pastor. Yeah, I'm speaking it in truth. And it's a loving thing to do. We need to stop being like the world. We're to be set apart. We get to love. Also, guys, he says we're to be blameless. So this signifies that no charge could be maintained, whatever charges might be made. So it's being a what you see is what you get Christian, okay? So don't go there. All right, let's move on to the next one. We need to be direct. How many of you guys have a hard time being direct? Yeah, I do too, right, Sonny? Sonny's just like, you just need to tell me what you want, you know? Anyways, we won't talk about our marital issues at church together. Um, we need to be direct. It's a good thing. Also, sisters, if you want to eat somewhere, just say where you want to eat. Wherever you want to, babe. Be direct. See? The struggle's real, guys. <laughs> oh, boy. Sidetracked. Verse 11 is what we're looking at. Okay. And you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. So I was like a mother to you, Paul is saying, but I also had to be a dad sometimes. I had to be a little sterner also. And that's where exhortation comes in. And you guys, you know, as we go through the word of God, that's what the word of God is going to do to us. Because our heavenly father, that's how he's chosen to reveal himself to us as a dad. He'll be a little sterner. Some people have such a hard time reading the Bible because it's so convicting, right? Well, that's a good thing. Because all scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by God and is profitable for what? For rebuke, okay? For correction, for instructions in righteousness, Okay? And I forgot the other one, for doctrine, the first one. <laughs> so the Word of God tells us what's right, what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. That's what the Word of God does. So you may be exhorted this morning. You may feel like, oh, I'm being totally rebuked by you, dude. I'm never coming back. It's because it's the Word of God. Other of you guys are here this morning like, I am so encouraged by this message. This is the best message ever. And I love that the Word of God is able to meet us where we're at. Okay, because it is living. It's powerful. The word of God does exactly what is needed. And yeah, we're going to talk about that next week because that's where Paul goes. I'm so excited for next week. Anyways, comfort one another also we're told here. So we're exhortation, that's to, you know, really to, you know, uh, exhort on a specific particular line. Like, hey, this exhortation is needed. Okay, and the word of God does that. Also, comfort will come, okay? So to encourage, to continue in course, okay? We're, we're to do that, and it is good. A lot of brothers and sisters struggling a lot this year, okay? world is throwing a curveball our way. <laughs> Things are a little nuts, but it's good to come alongside people and to encourage them. Hey, you're doing better. I can see, you know, progress. Keep on keeping on, you know? Just encourage one another in that. And then the charge here, this word charge, to solemnly charge, urge, 
or implore. So many people stop because uh, so few say go. (laughs) We need to encourage one another in that way. And you guys hear that all the time from the pulpit here. Go. (laughs) Go. Again this morning, go with the gospel. Our whole men's retreat, go with the gospel. Why? Because church is not about come and see. Have you guys found that scripture yet? No. The church is to go into all the world and make disciples. That's what we're called to. And I want to encourage us to do that. I kind of feel like Sunday mornings are kind of like a mini retreat. As we've been out during the week, we get to come back together to find encouragement once together, get commissioned once more for the coming week. And we need that. Some of you guys need that every single day. Okay, I remember as a young believer, I was at a Bible study every day of the week. Okay, I worked for uh, Plaster Masters at the time, and I was learning and growing in God's Word, but my boss was a realist, not the owner. Uh, the guy who oversaw my crew, he was a realist. And he, every day, as a young man, he's older, he's just attacking me every single day. How can you believe the Bible? What about this? And have you thought about that? Attack, 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 attack. Well, praise God, I had one other brother on the crew that was a Christian. We would get there half an hour before our work day, 5.30 every morning, and we would pray together for a half an hour. I needed that daily to be encouraged, and we were sharing scriptures with one another. Guys, we need that. We need that. So I want to encourage you guys, be speaking into one another's lives, be encouraging one another just to go for it, okay? Time is short. I don't know if you guys feel that or not. I do. Time is short. People are dying and going to hell. They need to hear the good news. So this also might speak to a difference in mom and dad's roles too, if you consider verse 7 and 11 here. There's just different roles that we have. All right, let's wrap it up. Last verse for us this morning. We need to be worthy of God. It tells us here that you walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So walk worthy, guys. Um, Are any of us going to do it perfectly? No. Okay, we're going to stumble. We're going to fall. But a righteous man will get back up again and again (laughs) and again. That's what we do. And brothers and sisters, when we see someone, you who are spiritual, Galatians 6.1, you see someone who's fallen, we come alongside them. We pick them up. That's our job. Okay, So we have this privilege to walk worthy. And I will give you guys the biggest key to walking worthy is you walk in the Spirit. If you guys don't know what that means, you need to study. Open up your reference Bible, dictionaries, dive into the concordances and start studying out what does it look like to walk in the Spirit of God because we are called to walk with Him. That's His desire. So if we walk worthy, so the question I guess in closing, guys, is does your example as a Christian make it easier for others to grow? Pretty simple question. Does your example as a Christian make it easy for others to grow. So, real quick, let's walk through these. We're to be purposeful, be bold, be honest, be pleasing to God, be sincere, 
Be humble, be affectionate, be gentle, be laboring, be pure, be direct. I know God's ways are better than ours. I know some of you guys are feeling like I need to add some things to that list. But this is what we find in the word of God, guys. Very simple. And the scriptures, guys, are given to us that we would know how to live and how to live out our faith. And we're privileged to have it. And that's why I've been asking you guys, as we're studying through Thessalonians here, read it. Reread it. Allow the word of God to sink in, to go deep. So, like the violin collector that I mentioned at the beginning, I have no right to keep that to myself. It's yours. Take it into the world. And let people hear it. Amen? Amen. Amen.